Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. We are looking today at, in summary fashion, Genesis chapters 6 through 9, talking about the great flood in Noah's day. And specifically, I'd like to talk about both genocide and universal capital punishment. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 17, God says, For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. It's my opinion, and I think there's, there's some merit to this, that we don't really appreciate or understand or grasp the severity of the flood in Noah's day. I mean, if there was ever a toy that should be banned from children because it's, it's too severe, it's too adult, it's the little toys of Noah's Ark. Now, you say, why would you ban those? There's, there's the Ark, and there's smiling Noah and his family and the happy animals all on the little Ark. This wasn't a happy time. In fact, it was so severe that God was bringing a capital, capital punishment upon the whole world. And it's interesting, when it came time for the flood, Noah spent all these years and years and years building the ark. But when it came time to go, it said, God closed the door. I think I would have had a very hard time just closing the door on mankind as we know it. And we don't know how many people were there, but estimates are that there could have been millions of people alive at this time because you know, as the human race was multiplying, populating, uh, the lifespans were so long, you didn't have the death rates that we would have today. So there could have been a whole lot of people, and they were all killed in a judicial punishment exercised by God. This is something so severe, you should save this Bible story for adults only because this is so sobering, and yet we treat it like it's a childhood story, not something that actually happened. Now, a couple of backdrops on this. I've explained to you how Enoch, first Enoch particularly, chapters 6 through 11, expand on what was happening before, during, and after the flood. And it's interesting, after the flood, we get a couple of legislations. First, in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 4, God says, only you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Now, that sounds kind of like just out of nowhere. <laughs> don't, don't eat flesh with its blood in it. Well, if you go to First Enoch, you read this. Starting in chapter 7, it speaks about the fallen angels took for themselves wives. They began to go into them and defile themselves through them to teach them sorcery and to reveal to them the cutting of roots and plants. And they conceived from them and bore to them great giants, and the giants begot Nephilim. Now, verse 3 of Enoch 7. They were devouring the labor of all the sons of men, 
and men were not able to supply them. They ate a lot. And the giants began to kill men and to devour them, cannibalism. And they began to sin against the birds and beasts and creeping things and the fish and to devour one another's flesh, and they drank the blood. Well, I submit to you, this is where this legislation came from. Otherwise, Genesis 9-4 just kind of like stands out there like, okay, we don't, we don't consume the blood when we eat flesh, which is okay, I can go with that, but there's a background to it that First Enoch 7 says. And then the next verse, because remember, there was great violence in the earth, and one of the things that these fallen angels and their descendants taught was warfare. They were brutal, and they were consuming other human beings that weren't the hybrids. So Genesis 9, 5, and 6 says, for your lifeblood, I will surely require a reckoning of every beast. I will require it, and of man, of every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. Now, this is the early Genesis legislation for capital punishment. And I submit to you that the flood wasn't divine cruelty. We're going to get to the genocides in the Holy Land wasn't divine cruelty. And the institution here of capital punishment wasn't divine cruelty. Why? Well, if you've been with me through these episodes, you realize what is happening is that the serpent is corrupting humanity. They're making hybrid humans, kind of these uh, half uh, angelic beings, uh, sometimes had uh, anomalies like six fingers and six toes, unusually tall and unusually wicked. And Jesus, to redeem us, had to be fully human because he's our, our brother, so to speak. He's our brother redeemer. Well, if Satan had the capability of corrupting all flesh so that it was spreading through humanity, and I would submit some form of very intelligent DNA manipulation to get these giants who were dominating the earth or this time, what the flood was, was cutting that short. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been any redemption of humanity. And Noah being preserved was to give mankind a second start. So that judgment of the flood, as severe as it was, was a redemptive act in order to prevent all of mankind missing heaven forever. So after the flood, you have capital punishment. Okay, you're still going to have this spread of wickedness, particularly in certain places, and I'll explain that in a moment. But what the capital punishment was designed to do was to prevent the need for another universal flood. It was, it was a way of trying to minimize the corruption that had exploded on earth. And it was, it was a form of keeping capital punishment to a guilty individual rather than spreading through the whole population of the earth. And the same thing happens in the Holy Land. 
because a lot of people, a lot of apologists, and I've done, I'm guilty of this, kind of hem and haw a little bit when you're asked the hard question, well, how if God's a loving God, why did he have the genocides in the Holy Land when Joshua goes into the Holy Land and Moses basically told him, kill everybody? Well, when the spies went into the Holy Land, it says in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 33, very important verse, a very important verse, one that we'll probably ignore most of our lives. And there we saw the Nephilim. This is the exact same word as in Genesis 6, the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. Genesis 6 in the Greek Old Testament says the offspring were giants. And it says in Numbers 13.33, we saw these Nephilim, and we seemed like grasshoppers. And basically, in a theological nutshell, the reaction of the children of Israel was a complete and total freakout, because these people were supposed to go in and wipe out this corrupt seed that was in the unholy land so they could populate it, and they weren't to mingle with them because that would, again, bring the same problem on mankind. And it says in Numbers 14, the congregation raised a loud cry. They were murmuring against Moses and Aaron. They said, would that you had left us to die in Egypt? And why does this Lord, bring us into this land to fall by the sword. And they said, let's choose a captain and go back to Egypt. This was the the picture seeing these giants in the Holy Land. Well, the genocide in the Holy Land was for the same reason for the universal flood and the same reason for capital punishment because all these were trying to minimize a full-on satanic attack against God's plan to redeem mankind. And through this corruption of fallen angels and human beings, the end of humanity would have been over, so God cut it short. Now, we have to ask ourselves, well, what does capital punishment do today? And, I, you know, just real quick, the Catechism of Council of Trent is a catechism following the Council of Trent, uh, fully authorized the legitimate use of capital punishment. Uh, a second phase, and this is a quick summary, uh, came with John Paul II in 1995. He basically said, uh, we don't want capital punishment except in cases of absolute necessities, trying to limit it as much as possible. And then finally, Pope Francis in 2018 made a change to the Catechism of the Catholic Church and basically said the death penalty is now inadmissible. Um, and I can understand that. I really can. But I, I do have uh, a concern that if we're living as in the days of Noah, and I don't know how you stop this. Well, I do know how you stop this, but our leaders and our voters, including Catholic voters, don't want to end abortion. But uh, I just looked up a tally. There's a website that shows the abortions taking place while you're actually visiting this website and how many this year. But since 1980, worldwide, there have been 1.6 billion deaths due to abortion. This is murder. This is man shedding the blood of man. 
$1.6 billion. And God takes human life and the sanctity of human life very seriously, and we can't just let this go on because there will be a punishment. Uh, there will be a reckoning, and it's very fearful what this reckoning would be. And he says, well, we've gone on on this since, you know, in the United States, since the early 1970s. I think there's a red line. This is just, I've thought of this for years, recognizing what was going on in Genesis 6, and thanks to first Enoch and the other dozen scriptures that I showed you on this. But anytime you start monkeying with human DNA, which is literally going on, talking about monkeying, they're combining human and monkey DNA to make some types of hybrids. Um, China's doing it. We criticize it. They're trying to make super soldiers through DNA modification. In the United States, we have DARPA, which is the U.S. Defense Advancement Research Projects Agency. And I, I'll eat my hat if they're not working on the same thing while condemning China. And in the United States, there are now, um, I just read in National Catholic Register today, 144 U.S. projects using human fetal tissue with $100 million in government grants. I submit to you, this is God's red line, just like the red line in the time of Noah. When you're corrupting the human race, uh, it's time to blow the whistle and call folks to their heavenly reward. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 224 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.